Welcome to another episode of the Speakeasy Podcast, powered by HireAZ, where we explore the dynamic world of talent acquisition with industry leaders. I'm your host, Dan Harton, and today we're in for a treat as we sit down with Junius Courier, Director of Talent Acquisition and Sourcing Operations at Maximus. He's a four-time SourceCon presenter, four-time HRTX presenter, and today we dive deep into Junius's background and journey exploring the roles he has taken in talent acquisition the strategy, the collaboration across different departments, and achieving remarkable milestones. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, Daniel. Appreciate it. We always start every single podcast with this basic question. Can you share a little bit about your journey into the world of recruiting, talent acquisition, and what really initially sparked your interest in the field and led you to become a recruiting thought leader today? Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, I didn't have the, you know, the, I guess you would consider like maybe like the standard entry into recruiting. But it's pretty interesting because even with other individuals in the industry I've talked to, I think we all kind of have a very unique path. But I know sometimes when people think of how they got into recruiting, they usually think of, yeah, I've worked for a staffing agency and then I got into like, you know, in-house recruiting and that sort of thing. And, I, and my, my path was definitely not bad. So my path was heavily sales. You know, I, I was in sales for my first like, you know, 10 years of a career path and then migrated into higher education, working in admissions and then kind of making that a career path that I was going to go down, got into a director level role in, in that realm of recruiting, recruiting, you know, students to, to, to go to a university through just connections, you know, serendipity, I would say one of the vice presidents of one of the universities that I, I worked at, his son happened to be a HR director for one of the largest commercial mechanical contractors in the nation. And he asked if I had ever considered getting into like recruiting for talent acquisition, recruiting people for jobs, as opposed to recruiting for colleges. Something that always resonated with me as I was trying to figure out like, hey, what do I want to do with my career and my life was, yeah, I really enjoyed helping people and I really wanted to feel fulfillment in terms of, I want what I do to like bring impact, a positive impact to a person and not just, do I get a good commission check? Do I get a bonus? Or you know, I just wanted to feel like whatever I did had a lasting impact. I actually jumped at the opportunity. It was more of a lateral for me at that point in time in terms of like kind of, you know, some people would ever say, you know, maybe even a step back, but what intrigued me about it was the fact that I was going to be helping people find jobs. And so when I think about what are the biggest decisions that people make in their lives, you know, they, where they live, are they going to get married? Are they going to have, you know, children and up there in the top five is probably what job or career they're going to have. That's actually something I really talk about even now with, with teams that I manage is never forget how, how big of a deal it is for someone to make a job change. Something about that just really resonated with me. So that's how I'm into recruiting and that's that entry into the, the world of talent acquisition. Tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing right now. You're at Maximus, the director of talent acquisition. How did you get to that point with your previous background? Yeah, so my role right now, I'm the uh, director of talent acquisition and sourcing operations. So I mean, for, for IT recruit specifically, um, the organization I work for, Maximus, you know, organization. So they have, you know, they have a couple different uh, markets, but I support specifically their, their IT segment. And I, I have the opportunity to work with two teams, one full life cycle team that's focused on the technical recruitment. And then the sourcing team that focuses on providing pipelines across all of the IT recruitment operations. That's currently what I'm doing. So uh, responsible for uh, leading strategy um, and, you know, implementation uh, of, you know, you know, company-wide efforts as it relates to sourcing, as well as driving full lifecycle recruitment for this specific segment uh, that we have, which is uh, te technology consulting services and, you know, helping to, to manage the team to put them in a position to be successful or meeting with vendors to make sure we have the latest and greatest tools uh, and also evaluating our recruitment marketing strategy, evaluating, hey, where are we at from a uh, training perspective, you know, competency perspective, 
evaluating performance and metrics of the operation to ensure that results are aligning with the, the business objectives. And that's for both the sourcing and the full life cycle side. So between both of those, uh, the days are pretty busy and fast paced and, and um, I have a lot on my plate, which, which I enjoy. The cool thing about your background is not the traditional growing up the ranks of agency, going to in-house and then going to a leadership position. You talked on sales, you talked on education and teaching, and it seems like you put those components back into your leadership style with your recruiting teams that you manage. Can you walk us through some of the experiences you took from the previous careers you had and how you implemented now into your everyday workflow? Yeah, there's definitely a correlation there for sure. Having a sales background has been pretty impactful. Um, just understanding how to uncover objections, candidates, you know, understanding the science behind trying to uncover what, what are people's motivations for making their decisions? You know, what are their reasons? And I think that's super important when you're a recruiter, you have to have the ability to be able to ask the right questions to get the information that you need in order to understand what's their motivation. What are they concerned about? And how does my organization's opportunity align with helping that this individual meet their objectives? And the question is, is if you can figure out if there's alignment there, are you solving the problem that this individual has with, you know, where they're at in their career, whether it's they're looking for a new opportunity, maybe they're dissatisfied, whatever the case may be, does your organization offer the solution? And the question is, is you have to have the ability to ask questions in order to gain that information to then be able to present a solution. So in sales, when you're out cold calling and you're trying to find out what are the pain points of that organization for whatever product you're selling, does the product that you're selling meet those needs? And are you then from that information being able to present a solution to help that organization over, you know, um, to move forward. So, so there's the correlation there with higher education. You're talking about life-changing decision. You know, someone saying, Hey, I want to join your college talking about investing 40 to a hundred thousand dollars in as an investment in their future. So when you talk about someone jumping from maybe an organization, especially in the clear sector, you know, many of the people that we talk to, I'd say 90 plus percent of the people that we talk to are gainfully employed. So when we talk to them, it's really a matter of finding out, hey, what, what, what are some areas of opportunity that they're looking to explore in order to move forward in their career? But the fact remains is that human behavior states that it's easier for you to stay where you're comfortable than it is to jump to a position of uncertainty, right? And so it's the same kind of conversation, which is, providing evidence of why making this move is worth the risk of the unknown. Because, you know, generally speaking, people, they'll always revert back to what they feel most comfortable with. So even if they're unhappy in all elements, unless you provide enough evidence that says, here's why you should move forward, even though you're uncertain, here's why you should move forward and forego where you're comfortable to take on this new opportunity, unless you provide enough reasons as to why you, that, you know, you present them with enough data to say, hey, let's move past you know, what most people would normally say, hey, I, I like that role, but you know what? My boss is supervised. I, I have great relationships with my coworkers. So it's the same kind of thing. Like when we, when I was presenting to people with higher education, why they should invest or provide data, like, hey, on average, if you get a four-year degree, this is how much money you can expect to make more in your career versus someone who does not pursue a degree. And all of that data was just to provide them with some information that could help them to move past the stigma of, I'm about to make a change and I don't know how it's going to, I don't know the outcome, right? And so I think sometimes people kind of forget how big life-changing decisions these are. And so having had that foundation to understand what that process is like, what that psychological process is for, whether it was when I was talking to a prospective student or talking to a candidate and kind of being able to kind of guide them along and not being like a used car salesman about it. It's really just about, about understanding where they're coming from. And there's been times I've had to tell people, you know what, it sounds like, hey, you should make a move, but I'm not quite sure we're the right fit for you because of this and this and this. And that builds trust. You build relationships there and maybe down the road, there will be opportunities, 
And that kind of goes back to the ethos I was talking about earlier about really wanting to help people and not making it about being self-serving, but really being, making it about how can I make a, a, an impact? And the way you can make an impact is really by asking the right questions. So that's really the correlation that I think has, um, helps me from a messaging perspective, from a candidate perspective of being able to gain trust, to be able to overcome objections. And those things come into play when it comes time to making offers. You have so much information about this individual that you've earned the trust to be able to say to someone when they get a little nervous and well, you know, I need to kind of think about it. Or maybe they come back and say, you know, I really want to take it, but I'm just not sure. You can have an honest conversation about, hey, let's go over the reasons that we discuss of why you're interested. And then tell me, you know, is there a reason why you're still hesitant? Is there anything that we hadn't discussed that we should discuss that could make, that could help you either decide that you want to make the move or that you should stay? Because ultimately people make decisions based on their own reasons. And if you don't know those reasons, you don't know how to combat those reasons. And I love the approach because you're taking your sales background, putting it into a sales process from start to finish, asking those qualified questions to candidates, understanding the answers and saving those answers and teaching your recruiters to utilize those answers at the end when you're trying to close them. Where do you go for education purposes to elevate your team and yourself? Obviously, there's tons of resources out there that are available, you know, whether it's through SourceCon, whether if you're looking to the DC market, recruit DC, or whether it's through REZ, there's a ton of resources. I get asked this question all the time. And even from, you know, members I've had to, the chance to, 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 to mentor and lead, you know, they'll say, Hey, how do you know so much about sourcing? I'll just say, just research. I mean, it, it sounds very simple, but literally I just took the time that it takes to you know, get on my Google machine and, and find out like, and, and I sought out who are, who are subject matter experts when I was getting started, followed their social media profiles, you know, I went on YouTube and I looked at videos about you know, how to find, you know, people's email addresses and. I learned about, you know, thought leaders in the industry and followed them, attended free webinars. I did all the things that it takes for someone to invest in themselves, to be able to get to a certain level, to then earn the right to go to my boss at the time and say, Hey, I'd like to attend these paid trainings. And then they sent me the paid training based on my production and based upon you know, my own professional development that I invested myself from there, I certified and continued to grow my knowledge base. And then I continued to network and, and, and meet people and just talk shit because it was never about, well, I wanted to. You know, I want to network and I want to make a name for myself just to make a name for myself. It was all about, hey, I want to find, I, I want to know how to find like anybody. And I want to know like, hey, if there's a technique that this person knows, I want to know. So I want to network with this person to build a relationship so I can kind of be in the know-how of industry. And so that's kind of what led me into sourcing and what intrigued me to, to that group uh, was the, it was limitless possibilities on finding people and finding skills and, and understanding how data analytics play into the talent acquisition and, and understanding, you know, different kinds of approaches for different industries. And so it's, it's been, been an interesting ride for sure. You gave us an example of how you used to approach when you were in education on the data behind an individual getting a four-year degree versus a two-year degree versus no education and the salary ranks. You have a ton of certifications and put the effort into elevating your career through those certifications. Have you seen in your personal life or others around you how certifications have made an impact on your career? Well, for my career, it, it, it's definitely made an impact, you know, because it provided me with some foundational knowledge that I've just been able to just continue to build off of, um, knowledge that, you know, maybe I wouldn't possess, right. Or at least as formalized, right. Um, and it's also their, their industry respective credentials. So there is a certain gravitas that comes along with, that, you know, having, being able to say, Hey, you know, I have all of the air certifications. I have source column academy certification. I have a sourcing institute certification of OSIN and certified, like there is a certain uh, element of professionalism behind that, that would say, Hey, I've attended these courses. I've 
obtained the knowledge. I've been, I've certified my understanding of the concepts taught and I'm able to deploy that to my work. And I use it even now in a leadership role. I still use it. I use it more for our training and development, but I still use it. Or if I need to pinch hit to provide support, you know, I can go into my bag of tricks. I do think it's important, especially for those that are interested in making time position a career, whether it's, you want to be a dedicated sourcer, becoming a researching SME, or if you want to just be a full life cycle talent acquisition professional, having certifications, being able to, you know, build your, your knowledge base and also having that on your resume. Yeah. It's like if you're a project manager, a program manager and having a PMP, or if you're an IT and you have certifications, right? It certifies that you have a certain knowledge base and expertise. I definitely think it's helpful. You hit on helping people and putting other people first in more of a servant leadership mindset. Can you walk us through your experience of transitioning from an individual contributor role, being a sourcer, being a recruiter, and transitioning into a leadership role where your sole purpose is elevating your team to be the best they can be? I would say that it's been a great process. Uh, one I've really enjoyed, um, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into leadership uh, has been because I wanted to impact uh, teams and organizations at a greater level. And, you know, one of the mechanisms to do that certainly is by getting into leadership and having that opportunity to have that amplifying effect. But like all transitions, you know, there's certainly, there's certainly bumps in the road. And, and certainly I think for me, one of the biggest things I had to learn to kind of change is not necessarily holding the individuals on the team to the same uh, expectations that I hold myself to. It doesn't mean that you lower the bar of excellence, but what it does is that you have to understand that there's different approaches uh, for different individuals because everyone doesn't communicate the same, doesn't think the same. And it's important to be able to reach people uh, where they are when you're a leader. And that goes to be a servant leader, right? Because it's real easy to be like, well, I'm the boss. And so therefore, if you, you know, if you want your job and you want a couple, you need to get on the same page, right? That's one school of thought. I think I've evolved to more of a school of thought of, hey, I'm in a privileged position of leadership. And my goal is to get everyone to be as successful as possible. So my focus needs to be, how can I reach every individual on the team that I manage in the way that's going to meet the, the, the needs of the organization, but also in a way that's going to resonate with them. I think that takes a lot of work. I think in a different way, it's more challenging to be a leader because it is less about you and more about what can you be doing to benefit your team. But that resonates with me because I like challenges. And so it's one of those things, it's kind of a gratifying exercise of me being more people-centered. When I was in full desk and I was doing my own thing, I could just focus on, I was only responsible for me and I was going to make sure I was going to be successful. So that was not a problem. But when I got into leadership, it was, well, it's not just about me and just because my way works for me and I'm, that doesn't mean that that's going to resonate with everyone. So I need to figure out how I can connect just like when we connect with candidates, right? Same kind of concept. Technology has reshaped how we approach recruiting, especially from the AI-driven applicant tracking systems, social media sourcing, what are some most exciting technology advancements that have reshaped the way recruiters recruit and how they operate today? Well, I, I think, I think obviously automation is um, a good thing because I think it helps um, to give time back to recruiters to do the main thing that drives the, that moves the needle, which is to have connections uh, with candidates. Because at the heart of what we do, it's always people centric in the area of cleared recruiting, where there's a dis disparity between supply and demand. The ability to be able to create that human to human connection, to be able to influence, to be able to uh, stay on people's radar, to be that, you know, one to three companies that they think about when they're ready to make a move, that that's still going to be there. So automation where that plays in is helping you as a recruiter or sourcer to be able to, you know, keep people on your radar, work with your messaging, you know, help to improve, provide analytics about, Hey, you know, are people responding? Are people reading your emails, your messages? 
Is it, is it capturing the attention of the audience that you're seeking to engage? I think all those things are certainly very helpful. Uh, the different mediums that are out there with being able to connect with Pete, whether it's like, you know, voicemail drops or whether it's, you know, text messaging campaigns, whether it's, you know, email drip campaigns, all those things afford recruiters when done right, the ability and sourcers when done right, the more time to just be able to have those conversations with people once they do respond. That's really where I think it really fits in. Obviously, telemarket analysis is always a part of this process as we evaluate where we need to focus our attention to and things like that. But I still think at the heart of what we do, it's still going to be a people-centric. You, you need to have people who are able to answer questions and guide people through that process, especially for more senior level roles. Like that to me is not going to be replaced by any uh, artificial intelligence because people are still going to want to talk to another human being when making a life-changing decision or the more professional and senior level and C-suite level kind of roles. What advice would you offer to individuals who are just starting their journey in the recruiting field right now? I think the biggest thing is to kind of get plugged in. One of the ways that I got plugged in was, you know, I went online, you know, that's it, you know, Twitter formerly known as X, you know, I followed you know, recruiting thought leaders. I had lists, you know, certified, you know, recruiters and sourcers and followed them and would comment on them. I went on Facebook and found all the Facebook recruiting and sourcing groups would comment and same thing, obviously with LinkedIn. You know, same, same thing, right? All of the pages, um, you know, follow thought leaders, get connected, uh, would, you know, get onto the recruitment blogs, you know, that, that was really pivotal because I would say just as much uh, success in my career has been had by building my own base of knowledge through certification. I would say about 50% was also just by networking and really meeting people. I mean, I've formulated so many relationships with people that I've either never met. I've only met a handful of times in person through conferences and stuff like that, that all originated just through like. Facebook groups. I mean, I literally came out of nowhere. You know, I worked for, you know, like I said, a government, uh, a, a commercial, you know, mechanical contractor that was recruiting, the responsible for recruiting for niche positions across the mid-Atlantic and no one was going to apply to my positions. I had to figure out a way to figure out how to find these people. Who is that one person that really comes to mind that has significantly made an impact and influenced your recruiting career? I'd say Steve Levy was one that always kind of gravitated towards me. Pete Radloff was another one that we had actually worked at the same company a long time ago and hired Ed. He was in TA and I was in admissions. I knew of him. Then when I got into TA, we, we were able to formulate a rela relationship. Trish Wuderka was probably one of the first, and she was a source to me, and she was one of the first people that took time out of her own day to get to know me and uh, kind of an answer questions that I had. Derek Zeller was another individual that really influenced my decision, couldn't recruiting uh, at all. I never really had a huge relationship with Derek in person. But, you know, he was very active online and I introduced myself, I commented on a couple of things and he and I got to chatting a little bit here and there. And one day I was pondering making the leap to clear recruiting. He hopped on the phone with me and, you know, just gave me some source of encouragement. And I like to think that if it wasn't for that, you know, faithful conversation, you know, maybe I would have never gotten into cleared recruiting and had the success that I've had in my career as a result. That's always stuck out. All of those people probably have similar attributes of being top level recruiters. What do you think the top three? attributes and characteristics a recruiter needs to have to be successful in 2024? Someone who is just curious. And what I mean by curious is the ability to ask questions, to learn. I think that's super important for a talent acquisition professional or search. I won't even hire you if I don't think you're curious if you're applying for a source of position. I mean, that's one of the criteria. You got to come off as someone who is just inherently very curious about everything because you need to have a research mindset to it in order to be a successful sourcer. The next thing is uh, not necessarily a people person, but someone that is friendly, willing to talk to anyone, uh, whether you're, I mean, listen, there's extrovert, introverts. Sometimes I like to just chill by myself too, but 
when I have to put it on, I can put it on. Like, so you need to have the ability to be friendly and have conversations with people that you don't know and just be willing to open up and be authentic. I think that's important. The last thing I would say is that's super important is drive. Talent acquisition and sourcing is a you know, always high demand. What have you done for me lately? Industry. And you need to be able to push yourself to motivate yourself to do the things that you don't want to do, but you got to do them anyway, because they need to be done so that you can ultimately get to where you want to be. Uh, whether it's, Hey, I got monthly goals I need to meet each month and I want to be a performer, whether it's your annual goals, whether it's bonuses, whatever the case may be, you got to have, you have, you got to have a high sense of discipline in terms of being driven. I think those three characteristics really help people to, to get, to be successful as uh, talent acquisition for life cycle professionals or sourcers. Is there somebody in your network whom you consider to be an up and coming star or future recruiting leader based on those three attributes that you listed? I would say uh, a couple for different reasons though. Jocelyn Kimbrough. Jocelyn is fantastic. She's a great sourcer. She's a great trainer. So she's definitely someone I think should be highlighted. She's an excellent people person, really cares about people. So Jocelyn Kimbrough and Optima, she works with Tangy Pettis, who's an awesome leader. She's someone that believed in me and got me into the speaking circuit. And, you know, we, we knew each other from afar and we quickly became friends. So Tangy, uh, shout out to you and Jocelyn Kimbrough. She's, she's an up and coming for sure. And Kristen Dimke, she's someone that I've met and, uh, she has just solid background, strong sorcerer, super in tune with what it takes to kind of be a next level sorcerer in the industry. Another one that I think of is Michael Chuadan. He goes by Chewy. He's part of the Bullion and Bruise. I think, I mean, he's been around for a while. I think what he's done with Bullion and Bruise has been pretty. His co-host, Carrie Collier. Carrie Collier, for sure. Um, you know, she's recently gotten into uh, leadership. She's been sourcing for a while. And her and I, we actually met back in like 2000, I want to say 2018 or 19, when she was working for an, or another company than, than uh, the company she works at right now. She has a passion for sourcing. She's very super curious. She's getting into people leadership. I think she's probably going to be one that's going to really kind of take off and fly. Is there any specific leader that really comes to mind that supported you throughout that change? And what lessons did they teach you that you implemented into your specific leadership style? Yeah. So I think for me, I'm a hard charger and I'm, I'm pretty intense. I'm goal-driven. I've done multiple marathons. I compete in jujitsu, which is a very intense sport. Like I tend, I'm that individual that if you tell me I can't do something, I tend to be like, okay, well, let me show you that I can't. Right. Like, so I'm, I'm very driven in that way. So for me, I had, I've been fortunate to have two leaders that have a slightly different approach. They're more willing to kind of let people in certain instances learn from growth opportunities, not necessarily always try to prevent something from happening, but sometimes you let people kind of come along and tailoring the approach to be a little bit more cognizant, meeting people kind of where they are and kind of being able to developing a ramp up plan, right? I tend to have a very high sense of urgency, which for some people, they love that. And for some people, it can be a little overwhelming. And so I've, I've been fortunate to have leaders who were very deliberate, very strategically focused, and are willing to kind of play more of the long game to ultimately get to where they want to get to with developing people and things like that. So I've been very fortunate in that way. My, my current boss has been highly instrumental to my development. And even my previous boss, I had two previous bosses who really supported me and really believed in me and put me, into, put me in opportunities that were going to stretch me because of their faith in me. And I wouldn't be here without their support. What is your favorite recruiting tool that you can't live without in 2024? I'd say my brain because my brain, that's all the information of all the different various techniques. I would say that I really like uh, HireEasy's uh, capability as an aggregator. And, you know, I love Chrome extensions, but I tell you, 
Uh, nothing beats the, the good old noggin in terms of understanding how to leverage those tools. And also, if you don't have the ability to get to those tools, you know, understanding how to do a top level domain search, understanding how to infer in order to be able to uncover profiles, bios, and stuff like that. What is the best interview question that you ask to candidates? I think the biggest thing uh, kind of points back to what I talked about, which is, you know, I always ask candidates this, what is it that you're looking for in your next position that you currently have in your current position? I think that's always a good one. And then you can take that answer. And when you're in the closing stage of the offer, you can repeat that specific thing. If that new job offer is what they don't have currently. Exactly. That's the biggest key. If you offer that solution, you know, you run the right to offer that up. Do you have a favorite book that's really shaped your career? A favorite book? I'd probably say the one that I use all the time that I have over the past several years is the full stack recruiter. I, I have the first edition, the second edition, third edition, Jan Tagazi. It's just, it's just a great resource material to have at your desk. Last question. What is the biggest accomplishment that comes to your mind when you review your career? Biggest accomplishment? I would say for me, uh, my biggest accomplishment has seeing the success of people who've had the opportunity to, to lead a mentor and how they've been able to develop. And, and even individuals, you know, maybe at first we're not very sold on the approach, how they've accepted and being able to grow and develop and achieve success as a result. I think that's kind of the biggest compliment and biggest win that I've had in my career is seeing that happen for me. Awesome. Any other things that you want to share with the audience as we wrap up? Keep learning. Um, and I know right now with, you know, there, there seems to be some, some feeling of uncertainty in the industry. And the best thing that I would, I would recommend would be continue to invest in yourself by, you know, learning new skills about, you know, what it takes to find people, uh, learning what metrics helped move the needle for you. One thing I always strive to do that I think is super important is understand what is the overall, what are the goals for the business unit I'm supporting in the organization? And I always tie my efforts, the teams that I manage, their efforts, their results to how it helps to advance the goals for the organization. I think that's super huge when trying to continually to communicate the value of talent acquisition, the value of sourcing. Um, so that's a, that's a drum that I beat on constantly. I never stop. Um, you can't afford to stop. Um, so, um, I would say, you know, over the next year, build it into your process, you know, figure out what's a good workflow to help you achieve your goals and be able to have conversations with your managers, with your hiring managers, your, your direct leaders that you report to about how, what your efforts are, are contributing to the, to the department and to the organization meeting its goals. That that's a huge value. As we conclude this enlightening episode on the Speakeasy podcast powered by HireEasy, a sincere thank you to Junius Courier for sharing his wealth of knowledge and insights. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, let's continue to learn and grow together.